All right, welcome uh, to Pixelated Geek Presents Tripod, a live weekly video podcast featuring JJ Crass. Say hello to the people, JJ. Hey, people. <laughs> and Taylor Tate. Hello. And then, uh, and then uh, James Honeygut. So uh, today, which is what? It's May the 7th? It's Thursday, May the 7th? Yes? Is that, yeah? Yes. We'll be broadcasting live on Hangouts on Air. Um as well as twitch.tv uh, slash pixelatedgeek, and we're live right now on the Pixelated Geek YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash pixelatedgeek. If you'd like to comment, you can find us via any of the above uh, methods, and we can be reached at social at pixelatedgeek.com. Um, today, we're going to be talking about Avengers Age of Ultron. And a couple of things about Avengers Age of Ultron. But let's go ahead and start with just the movie. Let's start there, because that's enough. So... That was badass, right? That movie... That was, that, right? That, that movie... Okay, it, I, I, we'll start. Uh, I don't think it was his best film. Um, I don't think it was his most interesting film. And I don't think it was his best script work. But it was fun. Um, and I think the Marvel Universe is kind of moving in a direction where it's so many different things that a movie has to pick what it's going to be. And so the... Correct me if I'm wrong on this. The last three films I saw are, I think, the last three films that were made. Um, so Winter Soldier and Guardians were... The last two movies that were made in the Marvel universe. Yeah. Last two movies, yes. Yes. And yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna correct that because the last I, I'm not talking about the last three films. The last three Marvel things that I saw were those two and Daredevil. And so Daredevil was the most recent. Agent Carter was in between those and is still happening. Agents of Shield is currently on. Right, but what I want to talk about are Daredevil, Winter Soldier, and Guardians. Those are the last things that I was exposed to. That you were exposed to, yes. Right, and so, but that said, even independent of that, the only things in between were Agent Carter and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I can't think of anything else. And those things were not mentioned heavily in the movie, so... I mean, it's not like you're, as far as I know, missing a lot of material by not having stayed up to date on those so, things. So the, the shows do reference the movies quite a bit. Like, I know the episode that came out before Ultron came out, it, they claim to have a big like connection to it, but in my opinion, it was pretty weak. I mean, all they did episode. was explain why Fury showed up, right? And showed up with the Helicarrier. Like that's uh, well, kind of, and they also had uh, Maria Hill. Like, um, okay, them essentially being like, oh, we know where the scepter is, and we're gonna go send our, you know, great team, and then oh, it's the Avengers. Like, and everyone's like, oh my god, I'm like, that's not really that big. Like, yeah, that, yeah. but I mean, it's fine for like the shows to reference the the movie. The movie didn't reference the shows at all. So yeah. for for James' exposure to sure. his sure. three most recent things. He has. He did not miss 
as far yeah. as well, we know, anything really super significant to the movie. Just, just, just to be clear about it, I also read the synopsis of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter. I did that specifically so I was ready. The point is... It's covered anyway. Agent Carter and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are not included in the statement that's about to be made. The last couple of things that came out of Marvel were pretty much just brilliant. Winter Soldier was, at that point, the best film made in the Marvel Universe. If Guardians of the Galaxy wasn't. And those two films can fight right now, as far as I'm concerned, for the two best films made in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They were taught, they were well-written, they were well-acted, they were dark enough, they were just, they were well-done. They were movies that would have been well-received if they were just films independent of the universe. They were really good. <laughs> Daredevil is about as good a TV show as I have seen in recent history. I would not say that it's better than House of Cards, and I would not say it's better than Deadwood or Six Feet Under. Or, or probably some other Joss Whedon's TV shows. No, I would actually argue that it's... Oh, it's better than Joss Whedon's okay. TV shows. Well, I, I, it was his opinion, I, not mine. No, I, 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 love, no. I love Joss Whedon. I do. I love him. But um, that show was really well written, and it was really well shot, and it was really well acted. So one of the problems that Age of Ultron, I think, suffers from sight unseen is the fact that the Marvel Cinematic Universe... <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Because he's blind! Yeah, well, uh, okay. <laughs> he was talking about Daredevil. That's what that pun was supposed to be about. Um, one of the, the problems the film suffers from sight unseen is the fact that the three things that precede it that you should be paying attention to are all almost perfect. Um, Daredevil is so good. It's so good. And Guardians is the most fun movie made since, like, Rocky or Star Wars. That movie is so fun. Like, it's... It, it You may not be able to hold it up against, like, some of Scorsese's best work. But, like, in terms of, like, a popcorn movie... Might be the best popcorn movie made to date. Might be. It's up there. It's, like, seriously. Watch Star Wars and Rocky and Guardians, and you don't know which one you're happier after. So, anyway. Um, and then Winter Soldier. Super dark. Super well done. Super taut. Really good script. Just, they're... So, Age of Ultron happens after this and is an Avengers movie. And the problem with an Avengers movie is you have a you have a lot of heroes. And a lot of heroes equate to a lot of main characters. And a lot of main characters equate to having to deal with an absolute Everest to climb in terms of setting backstory and character development. You, you, when you make a movie, you try to limit it to as few characters as possible so that you can spend enough time on them so that they become relatable. And yeah, we had a movie where that sort of happened, but y you can't in this, in this Hollywood, 
in the way that that Hollywood exists now as a financial like megalomaniacal entity you have to assume no one's seen your movie you have to make a movie that stands alone that that stands by itself so they had to take more characters than they've ever dealt with before they had to continue a story they had to establish a massive threat and then they had to set up the next films because Avengers is not a film in the proper sense. Like all the Marvel cinematic films are films by themselves, but the Avengers films are like a bridge to the other ones. You, you, you have to address what came before and you have to deal with what comes after. And I think the first film did that much better than this one did. I think I think this film was, from an editorial perspective, it was a mess. It was a it was a mess. You didn't know the story they were telling. The only character you got any depth from whatsoever was Ultron, which cool because he was a villain, and you know you needed that. Or Hawkeye. And then also Hawkeye. Yeah, we got we did we did we got a little sassy Hawkeye moment where he was like, I'm just glad to see him right now. Last time I saw Ultron was beating on him. But like, yeah, no, I'm glad Hawkeye got a little more focus because I remember not being excited to see Thor, and then there were rumors that there was a Shield agent who was going to use a bow in a sequence, and I was like, sign me up, I'm going to go see it just for this damn scene. Yeah. You know, we'll we'll come back. We'll come back to Hawkeye in a little bit here. That's that's important. Uh, but yeah, no, that little moment where, first of all, the humanizing moment that they gave him was the best scene in the film. That was the best shot thing. It was the most human moment. It was the most connectable. And you were just like, what? I don't, what? You're married? You're in love? I want you to refinish your kitchen. I care way more about Please refinish that kitchen as opposed to killing things with your seriously. That's that's what we want. We we yes, we love we love superheroes and we love badasses. We love things that can do things we can't, but we also love them to be relatable. I think one of the reasons why like Tony is such a fan favorite is because you have someone who is a combination of wildly charismatic and incredibly flawed with a massive a massive personal issue and like that's what's interesting it's not interesting that someone is incredibly powerful it's that they're human we like humanity that's why we go to see things. We like superheroes, but we like those heroes to be people. So, we like superheroes to be people. We like them to have emotions. We like them to feel things and have depth. We like it when they're real. We like it when they're vulnerable. So, why is it a problem that Natasha wants to get married? 
Why is that a problem? Why is it a problem that she is a human being that falls in love with someone else? Why is that a weakness? Why, like, I, does anyone want to go now before I get started? Before you get started, because you're not already like, already like 50% down the hill so, gathering so, momentum. So ready. Go ahead. Go ahead, Doug. So, why is it a problem? The following statements are made purely about a fictional comic book character. It is a problem because for the previous film world that we've been shown of this character... She does not have that. She is pure strength, pure aggression in her way, purely effective. And in this film, we see her not 100% in a position of power. Her ability as a superhero ass-kicking badass is never compromised. Never. Throughout the entire movie, you never see her hesitate to do some crazy-ass flip and, like, shock batons, like, several robots at once because of her issues. If anything, she has more screen time in this being a badass than other films. Pause. Back to Taylor. Thank you. Yes. And so... I think that it, it is this, this exposure to her having this emotional development and development in a way where she is not all, you know, entirely in control that has made people go, whoa, this is different, and they're not wrong. Yes, it is different from what we've seen in the movies. But, and I've been told this because I have not read a lot of the comic books, if any, really. Natasha Romanoff has had these situations before in the comic books multiple times. And so it is now something that this, this global, much more expanded audience seeing this kind of situation that has led to this much larger backlash. Because exponentially, you have more people seeing it, which leads to more people who could be offended, who could get up in arms, could be bothered by anything in the movie. It just happens to be this issue because you have more people seeing it that leads to this, this larger reaction. I'm sure that people being diverse as they are, that when the comic book events happened where Natasha Romanov was emotionally involved with anyone, that there was some backlash. I just think we're hearing about it now. It's more of a bigger issue now because the Avengers movies are some of the largest movies of the year. It doesn't matter what else is coming out. We have, we have a new Star Wars we have a new Jurassic Park movie, and I would wager money that the discussion about anything but a movie is going to be larger, if not as large, about the Avengers than it will about Jurassic World or Star Wars. Just because it is so wide-reaching, because so many people see it, because so many people get excited about it. And that's a good thing. I would rather people be upset about a movie they get excited about than 
have an awesome movie come out and no one pay attention to it at all. So I will take I will take the outrage because they are movies that I love and I, I want to see more of them. JJ, you're tagged in. Um, yeah, I, people getting upset with, you know, her, I guess, this this shift with her character dynamic. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Uh, if you have somebody who's, quote, like the Terminator, I mean, they had to humanize the Terminator in T2 to make him likable, you know, and, you know, before she's only been used as his instrument, and... You know, also, same as the Hulk. They're humanizing the Hulk a lot in this film as well. The Hulk is literally sent in to destroy stuff. You know, and we know Bruce Banner doesn't like that. But, you know, they don't explore it that much in the first film. So, I think allowing these characters who were essentially the cavalry, you know what I mean? Like, they're sent in to destroy stuff. And then they're expected to just go back and hang out and be themselves again. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, that's what you guys do. And, you know, these characters expressing, you know, feelings and just knowing, you know, that this is what they're used for. And the idea of just having, I wouldn't even want to say normal life, you know, you don't, settling down and having kids doesn't have to be normal, it's just, you know, having something different in your life from being programmed as a human weapon since you were a young child, you know, um, and being exposed in the real world, you're going to be like, you know what, I maybe don't want to do this. You know, same with Bruce Banner being like, I don't like the Hulk. I don't like letting him out. So, you know, I, I, I could see, you know, the argument people saying, well, you're making her softer. You know, you're taking her out of a position of power. No, you're allowing her to be more powerful by expressing a, an idea of not just being this superpower, you know, super weapon. You know, um, I think a character is more powerful when they want to know that they want something different and want to change. Characters changing is more powerful than characters staying the same. Yeah, see, okay, okay. That There were a lot of things about what you just said that made me happy. But the most important thing to deal with is that she is a dynamic character. She's not a static character. Static characters are stereotypes. They're not realistic. They're not real people. Static characters aren't reflections of reality. Static characters are stereotypes. Is it not on every possible level more damaging to represent a character as a stereotype than it is as a dynamic character? I, I am a, I am a man. I'm, I'm a man. If I found out that I couldn't have children, and this is one of the major cruxes about this film, the, the two main issues with her are that she falls in love, and that's weak, unquote, and that she has that sequence where she laments not being able to have a child. And, that's and calling herself a monster. Right, well, and... Uh, uh, people... And I know, no, people got upset with that, and I'm like, well, I mean, she's talking with the Hulk, who is a monster, and identifies with that. Everybody in that movie is some kind of monster. Everybody, Everyone is a monster. Everybody is. So, so you have two issues. You have the, do you want to be a woman person that has, like, woman feelings? 
from the woman's side of you. Do you want to have children? We all get to have feelings. It's, it's okay to have feelings. It's okay to, to want to be a human. It's okay to want to fall in love. That's what we do. That's our, that's our purpose. That from the time that we're born until the time that we die, that's the thing that not everyone, not everybody, but the vast majority of humanity wants. We want to be with someone. Is that, is that weakening the character or is that making her more human and real? Is that portraying her as a person? And is it a problem to want to be a person? To want to have the things that people want? No, that's, that's, that is bullshit. That's saying that standard human drive and emotion is unacceptable. And that's not fair. That's, that's not sexist. Let's talk about Tony for a second. Because Tony is the, the far male example of this. He is a womanizer, right? He's a womanizing asshole. Am I going to get in trouble for calling him that? Is anybody going to, anyone, womanizing asshole? Yeah, okay. Tony falls in love with Pepper, right? Did that weaken him? Did that make him less of a person? Or did that make him more of a person? Did that push him further along the dynamic journey that he gets? That made him into a more realistic, complicated, relatable human being. So why is it when we take Tony, who, let's, let's, let's say this word out loud, because we're going to get there eventually, slut. Okay, we're going to deal with slut eventually. <laughs> Tony, if, if there is a definition of man-whore, it's probably Tony. <laughs> it probably is, right? Tony's journey from that into someone that can fall in love and commit to something is, that's considered progress, right? Is it, is that regressive? Does, does, is there any counter to that? That's good, right? It's not a counter, but we saw a progression over movie dedicated, and not entirely over one movie, but a lot of it was over one movie dedicated entirely to a character. So, the reaction to him becoming that, yeah, three. Uh, the, the reaction to him going from this womanizing asshole to this, I'm in love with this one particular person, and I'm going to at least physically change what I do. He, he still makes jokes and comments like Tony Stark should, because it's who he is. Um... Is across the entire movie. But, we but at least yet have one, not seen it's that. It's one film. By by the like they established by the beginning of the second film that he and Pepper are that way. A thing. Yeah, they're a thing. Yes, and, but you see and, a lot of him doing interpersonal changes to to better be in this relationship with Pepper Potts Tony's, in three. Tony's been in five films, actually five now. She's been in four. He made that change earlier than she did. She made that change later in the filmic process than he did. So, relationship-wise, his Facebook status went from single to not single <laughs> pretty quick. <laughs> but, but, right. 
you saw him do a lot of relationship work in the third one, a lot and a lot of like verbal to the to the screen to the audience thinking and 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 concern and work on being better for pepper in the third movie and so even even if you even if you just say even if you say like he he made that relationship change three movies ago black widow did it in one movie yeah, and, and so I think I think if we were given the time, and honestly, I would throw down the price for movie ticket right now to to get a Black Widow movie. I, would I think watch, it would be I bad. We were, we were yeah. supposed to get one a long yeah. time right. ago. Can, can we right. have that now, please? I mean, so I think I think that should be considered in the discussion of yeah. of comparing the two relationships, comparing comparing two characters. Sure. Is that? Uh, Tony Stark has a lot more time, let alone screen time, specifically about relationships to do this yeah. than Black Widow well, has. And, and and I don't think anyone would be upset if they were like, hey, we're going to give her her more screen time about this. I don't think anyone's going to be like, oh no, we want less screen time about it. But it's just, I think, something that should be noted. I well, think, also, oh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, we're, I mean, even in Winter Soldier, they even gave her more of a just a personality you know, instead of just being the agent who shows up to kick ass, you know, they, they had that, that buddy buddy with Steve Rogers. And, yes, and they also did hint with the whole, um, with Hawkeye, with the necklace. And, you know, for me, and that leads into the other topic later, but, you know, I, I think that there has been this change to make her not just the secret weapon, and as a member of S.H.I.E.L.D. who's a friend with all her other agents, you know, not just like a teammate, but a friend, and that was even in Winter Soldier, you know. Um, See, uh, this, this is what I come back to a, a lot. We talked about this earlier, so try and keep me as tight to it as possible. But so, let's talk about James Bond for a second. So you have a killing machine that was basically raised from the time he was relatively young to be a killing machine that uses sex as a weapon. And his most interesting narrative is the one in which he falls in love and becomes vulnerable. I don't see that she is different on a, on a core level. I mean, I think that she is also a killing machine that frequently uses manipulation and sex as a weapon. Why is it that James Bond's most interesting narrative is the one where he becomes vulnerable and open. And the one where she becomes vulnerable and open is offensive and weakening. Like, isn't that, is that not, is that not in and of itself sexism to say that a narrative that parallels each other for opposing genders, one is offensive and one is not? Why is it okay? For James Bond to fall in love and become vulnerable to someone. And it's sexist for her too. Especially, especially because in his case, it's to his detriment. And in her case, she is literally the emotional crutch 
for the strongest man on the planet. She is propping up a genius who is the strongest man on the face of the planet. She is providing all of the emotional support for an absolutely broken human being. And that was my favorite part of this entire fiasco is when Mark Ruffalo responded to the whole thing and said, that's weird. I thought I was the princess. I thought she was rescuing me. Explain seriously, please, please, because I don't understand. How is she the weak one? She fell in love like a human being and she's propping up a genius who is the strongest man on the face of the planet and she does it like a badass and she kicks ass the whole time. I don't... I'm, see, I'm not arguing from a position of absolute certainty. I would love to see a criticism of that because I just, I don't... I don't understand how it's a sexist film. Like, pause. Vision is obviously the biggest badass in that movie. You watch that movie, Vision just... just but after that... I'll argue with that uh, War Machine, but that's just because I'm a War Machine fanboy. Yeah, he doesn't really do anything. Like that. I got more War Machine than I thought I was going to get, and that is all I needed. Right, so, no, I mean, he gets a War Machine story, so... But so... After Vision, it's pretty clearly Scarlet Witch that's the second biggest badass. Because she just tears shit up. Just, uh, just everything she runs into. And there, okay, so we're, we're going to do this for a second. There's that moment that people had a problem with where Hawkeye gave her a pep talk. And people thought that was sexist. But I thought that that was like a 35-year-old established superhero who was just saying to, like, a scared kid, no, seriously, you can do this. Like, I have seen what you can do. You can do this. I thought this was, like, a like a parent-child thing. He would have given that same pep talk to, to Quicksilver if he'd been there. Right? It just happened right. to be Scarlet Witch because... Because she's a bigger... Can we do spoilers, can we do spoilers in this... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Scarlet Witch doesn't die. That's why he was Scarlet Witch and not Quicksilver. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that speech would have been wasted on him. And but like, it... I mean, that was also him being like, "Look, you're more powerful than me. You can wipe away the world with your powers. I'm a guy with a bow and arrow did, fighting robots." Did he actually he's like, he's say like, that remember... at some point yeah, during the movie? Yeah, he I actually said arrow, like. Yeah, no, I have like, a bow and arrow. I'm fighting an army of robots. This makes no sense. Yeah, we're fi- we're on a floating city. We're fighting robots, and I have a bow and arrow. How does this make sense? And <laughs> yeah, so you know, I don't, so obviously, she second biggest badass in the movie. She just tears shit up everywhere she goes. That was amazing. But so after that, and I I would love to see like a minute by minute. But I really feel like we actually see. Natasha kick way more ass than anyone else does. Like, I feel like she's in more of the fight sequences. Like, she certainly is more than Thor. Like, what, what was Thor doing <laughs> the whole movie? Like, he showed up at one point and, like, foofed his hair, and then... I'm gonna go hang out in a puddle, guys. In waters of, yeah, part of waters of Vision. Uh, there's some, I mean, there's some awesome, awesome Idris Elba, but, 
mean, it's that was short. great. We want more of that. That was okay. We're we're getting off topic. I love that guy. Oh, that guy's my favorite. But that's the Thor scenes. The awesome Thor scenes are where you go, oh hey, there's Idris Elba. I've forgotten about Thor. That's that's mostly what it, you see him. You're like, hey, Idris Elba. Where that blonde kid go? Right. Um, but yeah. So I just I don't. I want to make it clear that all three of us are very open and receptive to the arguments from the other side of this. All three of us are very neutral parties on this topic. And in point of fact, I I would say that all three of us, at least two and a half of us, are... All right, all three of us, all three of us, are on some level in line with the original intent of the feminist movement. I like I believe that women should absolutely be equal. I want to make that very clear. Um, all three of us do genuinely believe that, and I think none none of the three of us would have failed to point out the failings in a film that was blatantly so. But we are talking about Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon made Buffy. Joss Whedon made Serenity. He made Firefly. Joss Whedon loves strong female characters. Joss Whedon has made one Shakespearean film. And it is the one with the strongest female character. In Buffy, obviously Buffy is the badass. In Serenity, who's the badass? More than half the crew. Right. More than right. half the crew right. is right. badass and females. The pilot, who everyone loves, is a weak-ass character. But I love him to pieces. All the time, Wash is saying, my wife is the strong one. Like, almost every single scene. And River is, in that, in that like, series film, she's the acme of evolution. Um, even... Even the companion character in that is stronger emotionally than her counterpart. You get one-off female characters who are super strong and, and outwit the main character who are females. Yeah, I know you, have, you have one-off male characters who just get wasted by Mal. But it's, it's the female ones who are just like, you are putty in my hands. Watch me play with you and come out on top. Physically and emotionally and financially. Yeah, I see I don't I don't think we're dealing with a man that can be painted as a sexist unless the brush is skewed. Because that's not what he does. I don't I don't think that any of us are saying that sexism isn't an issue because it is. And it, it is in Especially Hollywood. Especially in cinema. Yeah, it is in Hollywood. And I, I understand why a film like Avengers was targeted. Because comic books are possibly, and I'm, I've, I've been thinking about this since I've seen the film, possibly the largest possible reservoir of sexism. Like, all the women are in spandex and all their boobs are huge. And, like, that, that's, I get it. I get, I, I get it. It's just... If you're going to take a shot at something, please take a shot at something that did it. Because I, I don't... I don't see 
this film. I don't see any argument where this film is the problem. You could even target earlier Marvel films. Like, I'm going to edit that a little bit because my example is going to be Spider-Man. But like, the female characters in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films. Nobody, nobody that's a woman does any work. Nobody does anything at all. I get that. That, that, that is not a great example of gender equality. But when you look at a movie where like two of the three biggest badasses are women and the biggest badass isn't a human being. He's not, he's shaped like a dude, but he's not a dude. He's a machine. Like what? It's just, I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't, I don't know where to go with that. I don't, I have tried to look at it from every side of the equation and it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so I guess Joss Whedon come back to Twitter, I guess. Doesn't really matter because we don't matter know about Twitter and we're not going to go there. Go That's it right there. Yeah. I don't care if he comes. I, I, if, if every celebrity I love were to leave Twitter, I, I would well, it's just more the fact that my life as it normally exists. Somebody has to leave something because of harassment is not okay. And Twitter is a great thing to give up because most people don't just, care you about know what? it anymore. Leave Twitter, come here. Come hang out. Just come right, right there. So, um, I know that what we've been talking about tonight has been particularly incendiary. And I think all all of us think that we've been very fair about it. If you have anything to add to the conversation, we would actually be very interested to hear it. We would love to engage anyone in discourse about this because I think the takeaway that I have, and correct me if you guys don't agree with this, but the takeaway I have is I just don't understand it. I understand some criticisms from a feminist perspective of some things. I don't understand this one because I just don't, I don't, I, I don't see it. I've, I've hacked into it from every angle that I see. So if you disagree, please engage us in discourse. We would love to have a respectful discourse with someone from the other perspective on this. Um, and I will say amongst three of us, uh, we, we've all tried to be very respectful of everything. I'm, Despite a lot of what I've done education-wise, I'm I'm probably more offensive than most. So if if there were any three of us who opened themselves up to more incendiary comments, it's probably me. And I was careful as much as I could. I just so like, please come at me, bro. I'm really trying not to be though. Really trying not to be. Uh, yes, we do welcome and, and encourage any discussion. If you agree with us, feel free to say so. If you want to just kind of like redirect what we said and, and, and you know build your own points, go for it. Uh, if you think we are complete assholes and you want to show us what what's what, go for it. Like we we are completely open to discussion and we'll respond and to our to the best of our abilities, we will. So please. Please let us know, because otherwise, we're not gonna know that you're mad at us. 
that's that is a very good point. Um, seriously, we would love to open this up as a forum. But uh, in any case, thanks so much for watching. For JJ Crass and Taylor Tate, I am James Honeycutt. We'll see you guys next time.